now. Three, two, one, go! What's up, everybody? This is episode 114 of Cool Down Time. This is a weekly show where two longtime friends cool down and talk about video games. I am your graphically impressive host of the show, Marco, and joining me is uh, the 1,000% accurate technical mess of all time and of this mm-hmm. podcast, ironically, as well. Uh, Pablo is here to grace us with his presence. Pablo, are you... Are- <laughs> Are you ready to record right now? Are you ready to get sued? You ready to lock it in? Yeah, this is our first time recording today, and we definitely don't have a take that just happened. That was a complete and utter disaster. It was like a, it was like a, like a mushroom trip. It was, it was crazy. My head hurts. Your head hurts. Uh, it's, I almost it's crazy. blacked out. Twi- I mean, I mean, yeah. from like just lightheaded laughter. That was. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, when I tell you he's a technical mess of the show, I tell you every week. You think it's just this little cute thing I say. To start Mm-mm. the show, he is a disaster in the making. The the he's never met a word he wouldn't butcher. Number one, never. One, I mean, he the finds facts. the easiest ones too. Yep. I mean, Xbox can become as books. He gets <laughs> like weirdly French sometimes, and yeah. then it, it, mm-hmm. it, it's just it's a lot going on, man. But uh, how yeah, are you holding up? But, it's the brain. It's the brain. It's no good. <laughs> the brain is no good. It's uh, it needs to be evaluated. Yeah. But other than that, man. Everything is going good. Great week t- this week. Uh, excited to talk about uh, video games, you know, uh, amongst all the terrible news happening. It's good to kind of sit back, relax with some friends and talk about uh, things related to video games. May not be the most important thing, but it is therapeutic mm. in, in a lot of ways. So it's good to, to, to talk about these things. Marco, how about you, man? How are you doing this week? Uh Anything uh, interesting happen to your life? Nah, not really, man. It's been kind of a, it's it's been kind of a you know all right week. Uh, my job's CEO just like randomly stepped down out of nowhere, so I don't know if he like sexually harassed somebody. I have no Ooh. idea what's going on. Uh, man, that's how I like to say the word harassment. By the way, you're not the only one who likes yeah. to use words in in weird ways like that. Uh, but no, other I mean, than that's that, like a white, that's like a white thing. Harassment. Harassment you know, is a very white way of saying it. Yeah, it is very Juanita. Um, but no, I'm doing all right though. Just a lot of weird job, you know, uh, panicking going on because of that whole situation. So a little, little bit extra hours than, than I want to, but, uh, still making some time to play these games and, uh, you know, uh, check in on these, uh, these, these proceedings with, um, you know, a certain trade commission and a certain console manufacturer. Uh, uh-huh. but let's not, uh, hint around too much, Pablo. Why don't we go ahead and reveal what is on the docket for this week's episode, please? For sure. One of the most anticipated games is here, especially for me and Marco. That's Final Fantasy 16. We're gonna we have some early impressions that we're gonna talk about. So we can't wait yep. to get into that. It's an Xbox heavy news week, and we're gonna dis- we're gonna discuss the hardware and game pass price hikes. So that's uh, some interesting conversation uh, topics there. And of course, what Marco was kind of hinting at, it was the FTC and Xbox. They go to war. We got some courtroom drama happening here. Mm. We're gonna go over like all the, the main things that we found most interesting and we finished the show off with the way we always do with our checkpoint chat, and we're gonna give you our top six games, a heat check uh, of the mid year, where we talk about the games that uh, have 
we found we found to be the best of the year so far. And then, of course, we're going to give you our favorite game of the year. See if you can guess what that is. Mm. But yeah, that's what we got going on on this episode. Well, let's not waste any time jumping right into the first segment of the show then, Pablo, which is uh, the segment dedicated to the games we've been playing since our listeners last heard from us that we call Loadouts. Let's go. All systems nominal. Loadouts ready. All right. So it is indeed uh, the week of a new release and one of the most anticipated games of 2023 especially yes. uh final fantasy 16 is here ladies and gentlemen uh for those of you who are playing it hope you're enjoying it so far uh but me and pablo wanted to go ahead and chime in uh, after putting some time into the game so far to tell you what we're thinking about it and uh you know it, it, this is a pretty a pretty interesting release overall pablo because final fantasy has been gone for quite a while as far as mainline yes. games go right um yep. and you know this is a very unique final fantasy at that uh in in how it's it's not quite the old school traditional turn-based style of old it is definitely heading in a very modernized direction and i think that's made a lot of discourse around the game uh very interesting to listen to and uh we thought we'd go ahead and weigh in share our thoughts and tell you what we're liking or maybe some things that could use some improvement in our opinion but uh pablo you know i want to kick it over to you first especially because you know you're not as huge of a Final Fantasy fan right. as, as me. Uh, you're more of an admirer of the series who has a couple of ones that you do like. So I'm very curious to see what 16 is doing for you so far sure. and what some of your overall key impressions have been. Yeah, before I get into that, I, I kind of want to touch a little bit on the conversation pieces surrounding the game because I, I think that there's some interesting things being said, but I do think that the majority of that conversation is wildly idiotic. Uh, like People now want to specifically uh, specify what an RPG is supposed to be, as if the term action RPG was never in its in existence. Like some of the most famous RPGs and some of your favorite RPGs, you know, like Kingdom Hearts, but yours would be like Ease series yeah, right. and My Tale of series those are like rpgs that we never think twice when we play those games but they are action heavy and so i think it's funny that a like a yoshi p and a and a ryuta suzuki would come in and, and actually take care of the combat portion of it and and then people would criticize it for not being quote unquote an rpg i think that's kind of an asinine approach to things uh, i think we could talk about certain things that may be missing from the series itself but to, i would not say this is just uh this is just uh, 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 Devil May Cry. I think that's reductive and makes a little sense to the overall conversation because this is a genre that exists already, which is the action uh, RPG. But I kind of want to get into my thoughts here specifically as to what I think. And I would say that I find this game to be incredibly interesting because on one hand i think that this feels in many ways like the next generation of final fantasy and we're talking about things like graphical fidelity presentation and that complete metamorphosis of action combat that started with final fantasy 15 finally coming into fruition and being its own like you could really call this an action rpg at that point yeah well i i think that a lot of this game is operating on some incredible levels, like amazing levels. Like the, like I mentioned, the visual fidelity is off the charts, top tier graphical execution. It's character design also keeps that Final Fantasy aesthetic, but it is done in a way that it looks absolutely stunning. The voice acting for the main characters 
is mostly top tier. Sid is that dude. Yeah. Uh, it hasn't yet made me want to turn on the Japanese voice acting, which is a testament <laughs> to any of these games that come out. You know, uh, I, I love the combat in the game. I know that's a point of contention for some, but for it really, really works for me quite a bit. It feels really good to zip around in the battlefield and do some serious damage with your abilities. Once you start upgrading, I won't get into what that means just to not spoil it. But I will say in terms of things that I don't like within the things I like, visually the combat can be very busy looking to the point where there's some awesome enemy design where you don't really get the opportunity to a to appreciate that design because of all the the, the flare and, and, and fire and mayhem happening on screen at the same time. And, and, and I might add, if you're playing in performance mode at a pretty good 60 frames and you're playing at, 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 a, at a graphic mode at a pristine 30 where it's never chugging. So it's like really nice to look at in terms of how it works uh, with, with its performance, but still so much busy work going on the screen that it feels a little bit kind of like busy uh, when it comes to that kind of stuff. Um... Overall, the story is kind of hit and miss for me. Like, sometimes it's really working for me. I love the Game of Thrones aesthetic as well. The, the, the inspiration is there, and it's obvious, and I love it. I think that's a strong part of the story itself. Uh, I just think that sometimes there's a lot of lulls in the story that kind of... I'm not going to say put me to sleep, but I feel like they, they could have done a little better with keeping the the the, the, the narrative interesting in many ways. I, I will say one of the things that I miss about this, and I, didn't, and I didn't think that I would miss it just because, like you said, at the top, I'm not really a Final Fantasy like diehard. I appreciate uh, some of uh, Final Fantasy games, 10 being uh, one of my favorite, if not my favorite one, besides remakes and remake. But I do miss the, 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 the party system. You still fight along with your friends and and there's that element, but there's that element missing a strategy. Because, yes, there was always a main character that had its own abilities, but you were able to create the characters around it, the, your, your team, your party system, to kind of shape the way you play the game. Like, you know, and in many instances, you can make Barrett, who had a, a gun for a hand, a healer if you wanted to. There was, there was a lot of different things that you can do. Uh, in, in Final Fantasy with uh, with the party system that no longer exists and it kind of feels like it takes a layer away from uh, the Final Fantasy kind of uh, just the overall experience that I have with Final Fantasy. One other thing that I felt was a little bit kind of disappointing, you know, Final Fantasy 15 was an open world game, quote unquote. Um, kind of moving away from that completely feels weird to me because a lot of your a lot of going from place to place is all based off just going into a map and clicking on it and traveling to that location so it kind of sort of feels like a step back in that regard Yoshi P had kind of a lame excuse saying if they made it an open world game it would take 15 years to make I was like ah, man, I don't know about that man like there's a lot of there's a lot of open world games out right now that are pretty uh, that are pretty complex that didn't need 15 years to do that but I, I think overall my experience with the game is that I feel that it, it would I'd be hard pressed and I'd be uh, I'd be curious if at the end of the year this doesn't make my top 5 of the year top 6 of the year because it is like I said in many ways operating on, on some incredible levels and I'm really enjoying my time with it I, like I do have my complaints but I don't think none of the complaints that I have are what I would call deal breakers in any way shape or form I think the good of the game the things that it does really well it does it in, in, in ways that other games wish they did it as good as, as, as Final Fantasy. So I'm really enjoying the hell out of it. Uh, uh, I just, uh, I just you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of holding back to see exactly what the story is going to be like, how it evolves, and, and how if it gets better in that way. But yeah, 
what do you what do you think, Marco? I know you're the Final Fantasy guy, so I'm interested to see how you how this shapes up and how this compares to the other games in the series. Yeah, this is a you know this is an interesting thing because um, I've been very curious about the fans' reaction to the game so far. Yeah, um, I've heard your impressions. I've heard impressions of people that I know, and. Um, you know, I, I guess I'm a bit perplexed at times. Not that I don't agree with your opinions or I don't see where you're coming from. Uh, I mean this holistically with just like the general feedback about the game. It just feels like a lot of people did what I thought they were going to do, which is everybody has their own ideal Final Fantasy in their head. And then when you get the game that comes out, I feel like people are, are, are kind of in their own head while they're playing it, if that makes sense. They're, they're constantly... Sure, yeah comparing what this game is doing with what their ideal Final Fantasy w- w- would do. So yeah. it's it's not open world enough or it's not um, turn-based enough or there's not enough party stuff or you know and I and I guess I, I like I said I understand all those points of view and I, I'm not outright saying I disagree with all of them. It's just that we've had a good amount of time to make peace about what this game is, right And um, this is very much Clive's story. It, it, they're very much putting all of their eggs in one character's basket for the first time in this series and saying, this is about him. Uh, there are other characters that matter and are very good. I think Sid is a, is a scene stealer at times, which is great because you know it, it's not that everybody else is completely boring and un- uninteresting except for Clive. They've done a great job of making his supporting cast um, feel meaningful uh, mm-hmm. and, and whatnot. It's just that I feel like a lot of people out there, particularly Final Fantasy fans, have kind of, I guess, came into this a little bit more closed-minded than I thought. Um, I actually, personally, I'm really enjoying the game. And I think that a lot of the things that they're doing, to me, is almost addition by subtraction. Um, I think that the open world for Final Fantasy XV was terrible. I thought that was a complete drag. Um, there were so many boring moments of sitting in that car going from point A to point B and having nothing to do except fiddle through like music in the car and you just kind of, oh my God, or I can just, you know, I can fast travel to where I want to go, but then it kind of defeats the whole purpose of that open world. So I, I never felt like Final Fantasy did a good enough job with open world gameplay to to want it so badly for final fantasy 16 um they cut the fat out basically yeah and you know the further you go in the game there are areas of the game that do get a little bit bigger Mm -hmm. um and and you know when you you know revisit certain places that you haven't been to your character hasn't been to in many years to go spoiler free Mm -hmm. you get a lot of opportunity to kind of roam around a little bit more and it's not just this like linear path forward i think the first few hours maybe give that impression of oh man it's just kind of like walk this straight line and that's the game uh and it's really not that way It, it does open up a lot um so i i think that's fine i think that it's okay um i like the fact that we're not in the 1990s where we're having to grind <laughs> we're, we're like level grinding you know what i mean like i don't my time is too precious to do that um you know they have marketed this game as a, as a final fantasy for people who have have grown up with the series so growing up means i got stuff to do i can't just <laughs> i can't be here grinding and fighting these same uh, marble creatures oh ad nauseum just to kind of like over level and so that i can deal with a boss that you know has this difficulty spike like the old days like this is it, it's a game that respects your time and it's a game that understands that 
you know, you love the RPG stuff, but what you really want is a, is, is a great experience um, and not just get lost in the numbers and in the, you know, the percentages of RPGs anymore. I think a lot of people, a lot of purists are going to kick, you know, kick back at that and go, well, that's not what RPGs mean to me. And that's fine. But that's not where Final Fantasy wants to go anymore. So I think it's just like either either shit or get off the pot. Accept yeah. it. It's changing. Um, you know, and, and hopefully you can draw some enjoyment out of it. But let, um, let me let me kind of just just kind of like to, to respond to that. I, I I wasn't expecting because I'm not a diehard. I just wasn't expecting to miss the party system because I uh, I'm one of those like if the game isn't turn based, I'm OK with that. That's not really kind of my thing. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, though I do enjoy turn based games. But if it isn't, it's not the, it's not the end of it. And, and I'm one of those guys that thinks like when you come out of the turn base, it's actually an improvement uh, over overall. Yeah. And so I know people that's like sacrilegious for some, but I, I feel like that that's the case. I just, I guess for me, I, I guess what's, what I'm understanding with what you're saying here is that for me, I guess Clive, not yet anyway, isn't interesting enough for me to be like, okay, I'm all in on Clive. And that's probably what's happening here because if, if, if it gets to the point where I am in on Clive, then I really wouldn't care about anything else in terms of the other party systems. Mm-hmm. And in terms of the open world stuff, yeah, you make a good point. You make a compelling point. I just, for me, I thought going from 15 to 16, there would be improvements. But the way you put that addition by, by subtraction, that's a great way of putting it. And and, and I think that you've convinced me to, to think a little bit more, give it a little more of a chance in terms of uh, in that way when it comes to open world versus just going through each of the menus. I just felt maybe there could have been a different approach to that than rather than just going menu, right into a menu and, mm-hmm. and clicking on a thing. Maybe something a little bit more flashy. The game is all flash in certain aspects. But no, those are good points. And I, and I, and I, and I think that that's as coming from a final fantasy fan i think that's big i think that's shows that you're that's progressive mindset when it comes to these games because a lot of people who are super fans about a specific game any minor change even if it improves the series they're they're gonna go they're, they're going for blood because mm-hmm. it just it changes the thing they love so that that's a good that's good on you man for sure i don't know if i would feel <clears> the same way if something drastically changed with zelda or something like that so that that's yeah that's a dope way of looking at it yeah um now, as far as uh, as far as the gameplay goes, I think the combat is excellent. It is very much a Devil May Clive, as as they joked. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 I didn't I didn't coin that one. That's not me. That's not me. Uh, so uh, Gene Park uh, came up with that one. Uh, um, but yeah, it's it's on it's it's on point. Um, I think it's very fun. I think it's very fun. I will agree. It is a little too visually busy. I did mention that when um, the state of play I think happened, where they showed you like twenty that, minutes yeah. of it. Yeah. A little bit busy. Uh, it does have that Tales of Arise kind of like light show, fire, explosions, pyrotechnic kind of feel to it at times. I think it is. It's it's not distracting enough to be completely disoriented, but I do feel yeah. like sometimes it gets in the way of my timing when I'm trying to like dodge or I'm trying yes. to anticipate an attack. I can't. I kind. I kind of feel like if I. In order for me to properly time things, I have to completely stop doing everything and hope that my team is not doing something too, like, you know, and, <laughs> and then hope for the best, right? So, um, but I, I do like the intuitive nature of the combat, though. I like all of the, you know, the quick, um, you know, the, the quick select stuff with like curing with potions and stuff like that. It's right there in the D pad. Um, I think it, it adds a lot of, of ease of use to the game. It's very good when you don't have to spend a lot of time in menus or you have to stop and think about a whole lot. You can just kind of go for it. Um, 
So I really enjoy that. Um, the main quest to me, I think story-wise, I'm actually enjoying it quite a bit. Um, I, I really like it. it. To me, they kind of seem to be breaking down the, the game into uh, like arcs after a while. Uh, there's a certain arc that ends a couple hours into the game. Certain characters are out of the picture. Then new characters come into the picture. And then they d- dive back into some historical stuff with some of the characters. And that kind of starts like a second arc. So it seems like they're kind of tackling the narrative in that side, uh, that kind yeah. of way, which I really like. Um, they're also really flirting with a lot of interesting themes as far as oppression, slavery, and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, uh, you know, I, I saw a few scenes uh, before I jumped on uh, to kind of, you know, it was like a kind of a, an eye-opening moment of like, wow, they're really going for that with this like theme now and that's pretty interesting um so i I like that they're not just doing the surface level final fantasy here's the bad guy sephiroth wannabe number 10 and then you know he wants to destroy the world and rebuild anew like every villain ever it's it's very much entrenched in a lot of global conflicts a lot of um you know socio you know uh, yeah, I don't need to get into all that. You know what I mean. It's just it's very much rooted in that, and I think that uh, that's kind of cool for Final Fantasy. Well, actually, the, the the villain of the game, at least from the way I see it, his idea is uh, to to unite people in an interesting way, and I mm. thought that was interesting when that was his kind of way of looking at it. But in reality, the people outside looking in. That's not what would happen. And so I do right, like the right, fact right. that the main bad guy isn't like, I want to kill everybody for reasons unknown. It's more <laughs> like, he's like, I actually want to unite people and, and make it all into one. And so the his idea in conflict with reality is is actually really dope a way of, of, of kind of setting up the story. So I do like that about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there's a lot there that I, I'm, I'm very interested to keep unpacking. Um I will say just as a final takeaway, um, you know, again, I think I, I, I really want people who are playing this game to kind of get out of their own head for a bit. You know, like this is a very good game. And I feel like a lot of people, I mean, my only real downside, if I really want to talk about it, I think the side quest could be better, but I almost knew going in that they were going to be on the weak side because they always are with Final Fantasy games. They're just I, never compelling. I heard, um, I was listening to a podcast, I forgot which podcast, it, I think it might have been the Kind of Funny podcast, but they said that they've never played a game that had such mediocre side missions, and then the second half of that game have some of the best side missions they've ever played. Oh, well, so, hey, so far. If that's least, your main been... complaint and they do get that good, that's yeah. going to be crazy. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, that's promising. But, I mean, that's yeah. really my, my one glaring downside. It's like, ah, I wish those were a little bit more interesting. Um, I, I will yeah. just say again, um, I really hope people can kind of, you know, just take the game for what it is. I think this is going to end up being one of those Final Fantasies that people are going to play and then come back to when the zeitgeist is over and they can kind of go, oh, you know what? Now that I'm kind of wrapping my head around what this game is, it actually is great. You know, yeah. like I feel I feel like some hardcore fans are going to be way too harsh on this thing um, and just accusing it of being things it's not. It's not just trying to be this dumb, bombastic, cinematic thing where look at this icon fighting this icon, you know, like it has those moments, but there is a lot of depth and nuance to this game that I think people are just trying to overlook to lean into this narrative of, oh, it's RPG light or, you know, they just have have these systems in here just to say that they're still an RPG, but they're not, they don't really matter. Like, I mean, uh, what are we doing I, I, here? I, that goes back to my point is like, now we want to specifically 
talk about what is an RPG it's a, it's after all yeah. these years. We're gonna go, now now we're gonna start stripping away. No, it's actually not really an RPG. Yeah, that's crazy. Even and even so, um, and and I said his name before, Ryota Suzuki, who is the combat director who actually created the combat of Devil May Cry, said that this combat system is his masterpiece. Is literally what he said. So like he, this is his best work. And I feel like Yoshi P's best work all coming together. Uh, at the end of the day, I feel like I think the best part of this game might be the combat. Uh, so like yeah. that's it's it's I hate that argument that just because it is action based that somehow it's less of an RPG. That's just not the case because mm-hmm. we don't talk about it that way when we talk about other action RPGs. Uh, and that's not and we shouldn't do that here because that's it's not fair and also it's just factually not true. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's interesting though. I mean, to each their own. Hey, if it doesn't do it for you, it's all good. It's just I I do think this is starting to get a little bit too psychological for some people out there. But yeah, I digress. For the fans. I digress. I digress. Uh, Pablo, let's go ahead and move on to your uh, last game on your loadouts before we move on. What do you got? Yeah, man, I, I blame uh, God is a Geek podcast and, and, the, and the guys over there for this. They uh, <laughs> reviewed Aliens Dark Descent and gave it a 9 out of 10. And obviously, I, I, I listened to their YouTube uh, review and immediately purchased it right after because they hyped the shit out of this. And, and honestly, they, they're not wrong. Listen, for those of you who who, who know about Aliens Dark Descent, it's, it's kind of hard to explain it because it is an RTS, but it is a survival horror RTS. Like, I'll start off with saying that the, the it's masterful, masterful ambiance. Fans of the film franchise, particularly Alien and Aliens, will feel right at home here. Incredible soundtrack. Voice acting is hit or miss, but it can be effective when it needs to be. I think the uni- it's unique and interesting gameplay because, like I said, it, it looks like a strategy kind of RPG, but really it's a top-down survival survival horror which the emphasis is on exploration so every mission you're plopped out into this huge map and you have objectives that you can complete in any way you want within that area there's the xenomorphs which are the aliens of the franchise and you would have to actually actively avoid them in order for this to be easier for you there is a stress and fear meter and a vision thing where like if they see you then you have to engage in combat there is permadeath for your team so the actual act of getting caught and getting into a firefight is a consequence rather than a feature of the Mm. game itself. And so when that happens, you're either going to lose someone or someone is going to be psychologically affected to the point where they're ineffective on the battlefield at times. And so really what you have to do is find it's find certain objectives in this map to, to complete that objective and move on to the next in order to escape the area you're in. Uh, so I think that the approach to it could have easily been find the alien, strategize, kill it, right? Aliens turn, you go. It's not like that at all. It's it's constant movement, almost like a twin stick shooter, minus the shooting uh, and the fact that you don't control anybody specifically. You control a squad and you're trying to avoid conflict by uh, uh, by completing these objectives in those maps, and I think that approach is very interesting. I've never seen it done this way, um, and I, I it's like it's not a roguelike in any shape or form. I was going to ask you that. Yeah, it's not a roguelike, but it is a survival horror top down kind of game. So it has it has that aesthetic a little bit. A lot of people said it's it's like a darkest dungeon. Um, hmm. I don't know if I agree with that specifically, I, but I do think that the exploration part of it, like darkest dungeon, is its main its main uh, gameplay loop, which I think is absolutely amazing. Um, I love it. I, I think they, they nail 
everything that they want to nail about the game. There's been some complaints, and a lot of the reviews I've seen, besides God is a Geek, is there's some performance issues. I haven't really ran into those as of yet. I am fairly early on, but I am taking my time with the game. Uh, I I adore this game. I adore these kind of strategy RPGs, but when you put a new twist to this, and you put it with an IP that I love, you know, I'm not a huge horror fan, but when it comes to Alien and Aliens, and even Alien 3, I'm a a huge fan of those movies. I love the, the aesthetic of it. Uh, and I like that the, the the main the main takeaway here of the game itself is not really to engage in any kind of battles. It's like the movie. It's like specifically like Alien when it's to avoid battles. And if you have to fight your way out of it, it's gonna be hard. It's gonna be penalizing. But if you if you get through it, it's gonna be rewarding in its own way. So, I if you like Alien, if you like those kinds of games if you like the strategy rpgs and if specifically if you like the aesthetic and the feeling and the explorational aspects of darkest dungeon this is this is it I and mean, this is the game for you i said 77 an open critic i think a lot of people at least from what i've seen are taking the the performance issues and hitting it really hard on that aspect i haven't really seen anybody outright say that it's terrible like even ACG praises the game for what it is. It's just it's, he he knocks it hard on the on the performance aspect of it, which I haven't run into any of that. There was a day one patch, I, I believe, and the best part about it, it's forty dollars. So hey. it, 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 it's not it's not the full sixty or seventy that we're accustomed to now. So if you're looking for something to play in July. Uh, I would recommend this for sure. I also think, and I, I have no experience with, with Alien. I'm not a big Aliens fan. I know that people are going to go, what? Um, but I, I I wouldn't buy this game. But I also look at this game, right? And I go like, man, I wonder if this is one of those casualties of like, you know, like prejudice against like a unknown developer, um, an IP yeah. that is kind of notoriously missed more than hit with video games like it's 100 tendalos interactive i think people you know a lot of these reviewers probably saw that and went probably a mediocre game and then they just kind of colored their own judgment um because i think they haven't done I've, anything i've looked at i've looked at gameplay of this uh since you told me about it the other day mm-hmm. and i was like this is actually kind of cool looking um yeah it, it doesn't it look like great. it's like the the best built game of all time but no. it does look like one of those games that can kind of creep up in a top 10 and or you know be one of those honorable mention games that maybe didn't define the year of gaming for you but like you know kind of gave you an experience that you never really had before which makes it kind of a you know a, a, a worth worth trying out you know what i mean so. Yeah, I, I think Focus Entertainment is a publisher that takes chances on a lot of these games. That's true. Yeah, and 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 more often they they publish a lot of games, but when these games hit, they hit really good. I mean, they they do a really good job. I mean, uh, Plague Tale is is another one that Focus Entertainment Evil West, Atomic Heart, yeah, Hard yeah, Space Shipbreaker, Warhammer. Yeah, man. Oh, the Bolt Gun game from Warhammer that got. Pretty good. Uh, yeah, I, I looked at that too. That's only twenty bucks. I, I thought about that because <laughs> I had some Father's Day gift stuff. But I was yeah. like, you know, I I'll just play Doom for for any for something like that. But anyway, um, uh, yeah, they're they're good with good this times. kind of stuff. And so this is definitely a game that caught me by surprise. And thank thank thanks to the guys over there at God is a Geek because um, I would have never even thought about this game twice, even Shout though I out. am a fan. And a lot of the reasons why Marco said that people are not really giving this game a chance is because never heard of the, the the developer it's aliens and usually if it's if you're not alien isolation you ain't shit in, in, in a lot of these and <laughs> a lot of these in terms of how people think about these games so yeah i mean you know what was it like alien Col- uh, colonial marines is a meme that's a meme game yeah now. it's like isolation yeah. was like the last one that i think a lot of people liked but. and even that game like it was 20 it was like 20 hours it was like 
18 hours too long. Yeah, uh, it was okay. It, was a, it got a little crazy at the end mm. with the with the with the robots. But anyway, yeah, I digress. I I really enjoying this game and uh, recommend it. All right. All right, dude. Well, uh, ladies and gentlemen, before we move on to the next segment, if you like what you're hearing so far, consider subscribing to our show. Uh, We drop new episodes every Monday on all streaming services. And if you're feeling extra cool, which we think you are, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at It's Cooldown Time if you want to stay in our FOV in between episodes. But now let's go ahead and keep the show going with the new segment that we call Hit Points. For breaking news, rumors, and booty juice... It's time for Hit Points. And speaking of Hit Points, Xbox has been getting hit by everybody in the FTC. Uh, (laughs) FTC court hearings for the ABK acquisition, Pablo, are underway, which has provided us with some interesting information about the inner dealings at Microsoft, as well as, of course, how the actual hearing is going as well. Uh, So we're going to share our quick thoughts, rapid fire on what we've learned so far and heard so far from these proceedings, Pablo. And uh, I think the first place to start is an interesting one as far as Jim Ryan goes, because Jim Ryan is evidently not actually worried about Call of Duty Xbox exclusivity uh, due to emails that showed he was confident that Xbox would still release Call of Duty on PlayStation platforms. Uh, So, Pablo, any quick thoughts about that one? I think... um I think people are ridiculous human beings. If they don't think that Jim Ryan, if, if Jim Ryan really thought that Call of Duty wasn't going to be on PlayStation, they're they're not paying attention. Jim Ryan is the is the is the he leads the PlayStation platform. He's going to do anything in his power to try to stop any company from beating his company. And I think people who don't know that need to grow up and understand that business <laughs> is business. Up. Yeah, because I think the only losers, before we even get into this, I think the only losers here is the FTC. It's a farce. They, they they were not prepared. They decided, they thought it was going to be easy and they just decided to, to come in here and be idiots. And then there's a case to be made here, sure, and they're not making it. And I think that people trying to turn this around and make this into console wars, making it seem like Jim Ryan is dishonest. No, Jim Ryan is the CEO of a business. He's a strategist. And he is doing, <laughs> he's trying to do everything in his power to stop this from happening. Yeah. Of course, this is just the way things are. Uh, so yeah, my opinion about this is like, yeah, all right, shocker. No, of course they're not going to take Call of Duty away. And even if they did, he said in the emails, he said we're going to be okay. Of course they are. They're fucking PlayStation guys. Let's not let's not pretend that PlayStation is what it is because of Call of Duty. That's not even remotely true. So yeah, I mean, my, it makes them a lot of money because of you know sure, the, the split sure, of sure. sales. But you know, they, they they Jim's right. They they can they will be just fine without Call of Duty. Look, yeah. we've seen it all all this time. Both of these companies have been feigning weakness uh, to look yes. like they're they're both too fragile to either lose the deal or or see the deal go through. So Jim's just playing his part. I mean, that's why yeah. uh, he's been you know pounding the table the way that he has but obviously if if a future existed where call of duty wasn't coming to xbox is that really going to to seal the fate of playstation no and everybody knows that um up next pete hines from bethesda stated that indiana jones is actually an xbox exclusive but that had to be renegotiated with disney LucasArts after the bethesda acquisition was completed uh to not only make sure that it was okay if it'd be an exclusive but to also make sure that it's okay to put it on game pass as well pablo any thoughts on that yeah, they asked Pete Hines about this, or they actually asked Phil about this, and Phil brought up Spider-Man. He goes, well, we felt like it, yes. it, Sony had Spider-Man. We should have something as big. Uh, 
I'm actually surprised about this because a lot of the conversations behind this was like this would never be first party because Indiana Jones, you know, Lucas and Disney would want to make this uh, available for everybody. So, you know, I, I, Xbox definitely finessed them or, or, or paid them some money or did something there to get that going. And I'm okay with that. Listen, it is it is what it is. I wish all games, Spider-Man included, were on everything. But it, as from a business standpoint, I think if that's what they had to do, that's what they had to do. I was, a little shocking, but it makes sense to me. It wasn't really shocking to me. Um, I think it, it to me when you can be able to talk to these people about Game Pass and then the numbers of Game mm-hmm. Pass subscribers. I think that those higher ups translate that to what they feel about Disney Plus, right? Oh, you know, subscription numbers, and then they kind of get lost in that sauce, and they go, "Oh, that's good. Well, if this game gets exposure through Game Pass, you know, like they, that's yeah, probably yeah, their yeah. their rationale." So I'm sure they were okay with it um, once you know Phil did his sweet talking. So it wasn't it wasn't surprising to me that it's going to be an exclusive i'm just um i'm just more concerned maybe not concerned is the right word maybe i'm just more curious as to like what is this game ultimately going to be um not just in terms of this this first game but like how deep seated is this going to be moving forward uh as far as a franchise they're going to build on is this really going to be their equivalent of spider-man in that this is going to be a long-running franchise or are they just gonna let's do an indiana jones and see how that works and then kind of back away slowly you know what i mean yeah i was surprised they didn't show up on in the in the showcase considering that it's been in development for quite some time now so i wonder if that's on purpose because they didn't want to say it's exclusive and you know FTC hearings coming up but it it was a weird uh, omission for sure yeah well speaking of Phil Spencer uh, he took the stand uh, for quite a while and one of the things he talked about was that one of the reasons why they purchased Bethesda in the first place, since Bethesda kept coming up over and over and over again, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, is that uh, they purchased them to basically stop Sony from continuing to pay for exclusivity uh, to keep games off of Xbox. Um, you know, that being obviously the Death Loops of the world, the Ghostwire Tokyos of the world being timed exclusive. But we also found out, and this is more interesting than that, that Starfield was originally going to skip xbox pablo how do you feel about that yeah i mean listen xbox paid to keep laura croft off of playstation for a year uh you know so i don't like it i think it's lame but i think it's part of the business aspect i just think it's kind of like baller ass shit that in order for them to stop (laughs) it they purchased the entire company i'm sure there's obviously other reasons as to why but the fact that phil admitted like that's kindly one of the reasons as well and you know when you think about it 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 definitely seemed like playstation was trying to get really comfy in bed with bethesda with their two major releases coming out only on PlayStation, at least as a time exclusive. So Starfield would have been massive um, as well, specifically since they didn't have to pay $7 billion <laughs> to get uh, to get it on that system. So it's interesting. Uh, it's lame, but that's just, again, taking myself out of it. That's business, you know? That's what they, that's what they do in these streets. Yeah, um, you know, my point, and I agree with all that, but here, what I would say to all this is thank God God, it didn't end up being a PlayStation exclusive because, bro, guess what would have happened? It would have came yeah. out last year. Yep. It would have been buggy as all hell. It would have been a yep. disaster, right? Because it still would have been an independent studio. It still yeah. would have been independent. They wouldn't have had internal help from Xbox the way that they helped them through yeah. support studios and, and whatnot to make sure the game is in good shape. They would have just bull and china shopped that thing. And, and yeah. we would be talking about Starfield a year later, right now, like, ugh, you remember Starfield? 
or Thank or, or Cyberpunk in it, like oh, ooh, they Same, they, they yeah. finally got out of that the the, the terrible launch. Yeah, you know. they would have been a year into their apology tour right now. Yeah. I am convinced of that, and I love PlayStation. I just I, I know Bethesda would have forced the issue, and that game yep. would be out right now, and it wouldn't be yeah, the, yeah. it wouldn't be the Starfield that all of us are looking forward to today. And also, it's an indication. It's an indication of how Bethesda, how uh, Bethesda was probably in need of some money. If PlayStation was throwing that money at them and oh, they, they were, were saying for the yes to it, yeah, they were for because the then they were because then at that point they were like, "Oh, you're going to give seven billion dollars?" All right, like Zenimax <laughs> was in trouble. They had to be because they, they they were cutting deals to PlayStation for exclusivity that I'm sure was not cheap. You know, so especially since uh, Bethesda has a long history with Xbox, the fact that that even happened was going to happen just seemed like they were in some dire straits. For sure, you saying that Bethesda was a hoe? You said that oh, was yeah, their whole face. Like Beth, they, they, Beth, Beth, them and, them and Kojima was going out to the club. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Beth and Kojima, that's what I'm gonna call it right there. My, our girl Beth. Uh, all right, let's move forward. Um, in a response to the FTC claiming that Microsoft purposely held back an optimized version of Minecraft for PS5, Phil Spencer said that Sony did not send them PS5 dev kits, which put them behind on development for the PS5 version of Minecraft. Pablo, your thoughts? Yeah, I just think that this is the point in the conversation, uh, in the, the hearing, where it sounded a lot like PlayStation, like, um, like the FTC was capping for PlayStation, but then it just showed how unprepared they were. They were just kind of using Sony talking points at that point because they had none of their own. And so it seems like they're defending Sony. They don't give a fuck about Sony either. They're just trying to hurt Xbox. And so they're using the only other company that they have and they're using their talking points. And that's when I knew they were in trouble in terms of like preparedness because it just didn't seem like they, they had anything. Uh, on this, I mean, some of the responses were 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 nuts. Like some of the things that they were asking Phil didn't make any sense, and 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 Phil's response was literally, "Huh?" <laughs> A lot of the times, like, "What are you even? What are you guys talking about?" It's just the absolute incompetence and just the num- them having no understanding of the business in any way, shape, or form. Yet they have this power to to stop this from happening without them really understanding what they're stopping. So it's that that was a turning point for me in terms of how I felt about the FTC in terms of how they were approaching this entire thing. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it was like, it's got to be frustrating to have to try to sit on that stand to get this deal to go through and explain what video games are at the same time. Like that's got to be painful. (laughs) So yeah, I mean, you know, whether or not this was true, I'm not going to lie to you. I kind of had a bullshit meter blip go off on this one um, because it just seems a little strange to me that Xbox would wait until Minecraft to, to 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 get their hands on a PS5 dev kit when they have Wait. when they had acquired Bethesda and you know, like somebody had a dev it's, kit, bro. It's all it's, it is clearly bullshit. They still don't have a PS5 optimized <laughs> Minecraft game. So yeah, I think it had time by now. Come on, I don't three know, years, man. three years into it. But I, I put this because I wrote this part of it and I put that on there because that was a turning point for me in terms of the FTC. Not oh, that okay. Phil got them. Like oh god, come on, they still don't got one. It's an obvious bullshit. <laughs> but it was like they're using talking points, Sony talking points, and people were like, they're in bed with Sony. No, 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 no. Well, I'm saying I they're, think they have a dev kit. <laughs> I yeah, think oh, so. Yeah, I think, they've had, I think they've been having dev kit. Like, come on, man. That's not even Phil. that's not even like like there was a news that came out that said that uh that Jim Ryan said, Well, we're not gonna share our dev kits with Activision Blizzard. Yeah, you're not gonna share your, your dev kit before pre-release with a 
Xbox first party? Yeah, that doesn't mean they're not going to get their hands on it. It's just, mm-hmm. it's just like bullshit things that they, everybody's saying. And people keep extrapolating it and making him news headlines. I'm like, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. So it's... Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Uh, up next, when asked directly under oath if Call of Duty would remain on the PlayStation platform, Phil Spencer very specifically said that Microsoft will not pull Call of Duty off of the PlayStation platform. But he said, hold on, though. People called out that he said PlayStation 5 platform very specifically when that wasn't what that was asked. They asked Ooh, if he was going to pull a cold it. Piece of work. PlayStation, <laughs> he goes, yes, I promise I won't pull it off PlayStation 5. So people are like, does that mean the PlayStation 6? I don't know. Well, I guess he has to say that because he doesn't yes, officially yes, yes. know the next hardware. 100%. 100% because they're is, talking about PlayStation 5. That they is, are talking that about is interesting wordplay. But hey, you yeah. know, if he doesn't have a dev kit, how are they going to make Call of Duty <laughs> for PlayStation 5? Um, That's ridiculous. All right. Um, if you guys hear some crying in the background, that's that Jim is, Ryan back there. That's Jim Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> My baby Jim Ryan. All right. Let's keep going here. Um, FTC lawyers kept pressing Phil to promise under oath that certain games will be released on PlayStation in one exchange. An FTC lawyer asked Phil if they would continue to release Diablo on PlayStation. Phil answered, sure. To which FTC responded with, are you really sure? Which prompted the judge to stop the FTC lawyer from asking those kinds of questions. Pablo, I want you to tell me what you think, and then I want you to tell me, are you sure that that's what you think, please? <laughs> Again, just the, just the fact, just the whole thing. There was another exchange where they're like, oh, so you think that this is going to take you out of third place? And it feels like, well, we really want also because we want to get into the mobile space. It's like, so this is a write-off? Just companies a write-off? And it feels like, I don't understand the question. And the FTC lawyer was like, let's move on. <laughs> like, <laughs> he got lost in his own. This is a farce, bro. Again, the whole law people on Twitter, if, um, if you are familiar with them, they said specifically... He, and, it's just one what guy. What was that? It's just one oh, guy. He said specifically, um, they have an argument that can be made and they just simply aren't making it. They're just not doing a good job. It is a bad lawyers just bad lawyers bad 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 approach to the entire uh the entire hearing and they're just kind of shooting themselves in the foot and you, and you can tell by these transcripts that they obviously didn't know what the fuck was happening <laughs> <laughs> all right you just broke everybody's eardrum um yeah it, it's it, I, I don't know what else to say it just get this is when it yeah. got comical to me it was like come yes. or what are we doing here like i think what they were trying to do because one of the things they were leaning into a lot was well we 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 have to take you by your word i mean all we really right, have right, is right. your word so i i almost feel like that was a sarcastic are you really sure yeah because yeah, of yeah. that like to kind of lean into well we can't get i mean all we can go by is your word i mean you know like what it was phil's it's phil's about, been like what do you need what do you need me to yeah. do you need to testify it, under oath right now like i did with diablo yeah. like what do you want what do you want me to say and it's all about credibility and that's what the, the what they're trying to prove here the problem is is the way they started is by trying to to say that nintendo isn't actually on playstation or xbox's level and they kept trying to have phil admit that it feels like no i get i get weekly reports on nintendo more than i do with sony because i nintendo is a direct competitor and they're like no 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 nintendo isn't as good is that good? Because <laughs> because they're trying to they're trying to slim the market down to the market of two to yeah. where it would really feel like a monopoly. Right. Even though Phil has a ten year agreement with Nintendo on 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 the Call of Duty, they're trying to they're not trying to hype, but they're trying to eliminate these things, which is again very normal. 
things people people do all the time trying to 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 create their narrative they're just not doing a very good job and when you think about video games you think about nintendo more than any of them when you really think about it so it's like it's weird that they're trying to take nintendo out of the gaming uh uh business all in general they're not really gaming business like no they are the gaming business I mean, they were first uh, yeah what, i mean what? i mean Mario. Come on, what are we talking about here the, the reason we are doing this is because nintendo created the path you know mm-hmm. it's crazy well, let's keep going, Pablo. Uh, according to Phil Spencer, The Elder Scrolls Six is still around five years away, and they're still not sure what platforms it will launch on. Pablo, this was my second. Phil, stop! Stop it, Philip. Yeah, I was I was kiki keen listening to this guy because yeah. he knows good and damn well this ain't coming out nowhere but <laughs> Xbox and PC. Stop you know what playing I think? with me. You know what I think he was also stating, hinting at that. He doesn't know. People were like, what is he? I think he was, again, being very, very, very smart with wording because I don't know what's going to come out on. I think what he's saying is I don't know what's going to come on Xbox Series X because it's probably going to come out for the next, you know, on the on the, <laughs> the new Xbox. Console, yeah. really what's probably what he's really trying to say. And he's in his head like laughing it up like, <laughs> like I don't got these fools. That's what it feels like to me because it, like five years away, you know, I mean, we got the next thing coming up here. So we know what that means. Yeah. The next well, point here. Speaking of the next console generation, emails were submitted into evidence that suggested that the next console generation would start in 2028, Pablo. Um, I ain't going to lie that um, in some respects it feels too soon. In some respects it feels okay. I guess it's just because of how sluggish of a start the console generation has been, in yeah. my opinion, that it just feels like, okay, well, we got five years of hopefully a good stride. Uh, really four, because then, you know, projects transition into the next generation. So really only four years of, of yeah. prime, uh, you know, console gaming here with these consoles. That, that's a little iffy to me. But um, I, I guess I don't have a strong opinion either way about it. Do you? Yeah, I think it would be the same time between Xbox 360 and Xbox One. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I feel like... I feel like the, the three years that we've had already with the consoles doesn't feel like the generation has really gotten going. I think this is the first year where it feels like maybe, okay, here we are, Starfield's coming, Final Fantasy 16, Spider-Man 2. These are all exclusive to the, to gen, to the new platforms. And so it just feels kind of like this is the actual year where it's starting. So really what it looks like is we're going to get four years of, of this console cycle rather than the seven or eight that you that it looks like on paper. Uh, so it does feel a little soon, but I also feel like this is going to be the same thing between Xbox One, PlayStation 3, and P- uh, sorry, uh, Xbox, yeah, Xbox One and, and this console generation, that these consoles are probably, when it's all said and done, we're going to look back at them and feel like, oh, they were kind of underpowered to begin with. So that's probably yeah. what's going to, I think the next generation of consoles are going to be crazy, at least from from what all the tech that's coming out now and, and, and just all the advances in cloud gaming. Uh, but yeah, uh, it does feel soon, but I also feel like that it's probably the reason it's that they already know that they have to start already on that next cycle. Yeah. Well, that wasn't the only Xbox news that we had uh, going on over the past week. Pablo, why don't you kick us off with the next hit point news item, if you don't mind? Yeah, man. So Xbox Series X is seeing a price increase in the UK, European countries, Canada, and Australia starting August 1st. Head of communications of Xbox, uh, Carrie Perez, released a statement on the price increase. Quote, 
We've held on our prices for consoles for many years and have adjusted the prices to reflect the competitive condition in each market, unquote. Uh, it should be noted that the Series S will not see a price increase, even though the new S with the one terabyte is at three, three yeah. yeah, it's fifty more dollars. I wonder if that's going to be the standard uh, in a couple of years to where it effectively will be a price increase. But the biggest thing to come out of the price increase stuff is actually Game Pass. Game Pass is also seeing an increase. Uh, game Pass on PC will stay the same, but everything else is going up. The alt- game Game Pass Ultimate is going from its fourteen ninety nine price point to sixteen ninety nine, while the console basic Xbox Game Pass is going from nine ninety nine to ten ninety nine. Uh, considering everything that's happening with the FTC and Xbox riding a pretty uh, high on the wave uh, on the backing of the showcase that they had do you feel like this is par for the course on the economical standard uh, part of it or will this in any way hinder xbox current upward momentum because i feel like it could have in just public in, in the court of public opinion this could kind of shoot it shoot xbox back down but what do you think Marco? what do you think about all the price increases happening um, so as far as the console stuff goes, I, I'll be very honest with you. I don't have a super strong opinion about it, although I definitely feel for those countries that are going to be uh, dealing with that problem. It feels like everything in the world is getting more expensive, and it sucks when your, you know, one of your biggest passions is also undergoing the same problem. So I, I'm, I, I empathize with anybody. Um, I think it's actually kind of justified being an early adopter of consoles more now. Um, yeah. get in while it's cheap is, is now what feels like the, the early adopting incentive actually is, uh, which I'd never thought I'd say. Usually it's always been, you know, if you are an early adopter, you're willing to pay a more premium price to get it sooner. And if you wait it out and play it patient, you get it cheaper. And it's, it's kind of role reversal now, which is weird. Well, not only that, but like the transfer of money, like $500 here is only like $397 yeah. in the UK. So it, and in, in essence, UK is almost getting the console for cheaper, it feels like, in terms of how the mm. economy works. But uh, it still sucks. Yeah. Anything at a, at a price point going up still sucks. Yeah, but now let's talk about Game Pass, though. Yeah. I am not happy about this at all. I'm yeah. very unhappy about this because, you know, it, I get it in principle for the same reasons I understand that the consoles are going up. Right. My problem is, is that Xbox has had a huge problem with their biggest key pillar of Game Pass, which is first-party, AAA, day-one releases for the platform. That is far and away the biggest incentive to having Game Pass. Everybody knows that. And they have struggled, by and large, for this entire generation, with very few exceptions, the hi-fi rushes that come out of the blue, or Forza Horizon 5, Halo, and maybe the little stuff like Pentiment. Other than that, I don't know if we can honestly say they've truly done their best work as far as making the value of Game Pass um, undeniable because of their first-party problems that they've admitted to. This is not subjective. I mean, this is just they've acknowledged this is problematic for them. So the one time you finally have a game in Starfield, right, that is on the horizon, looks like it's going to be a certified banger, you do it now. Now that we finally yeah. waited all this time, we stayed, most people like you, Pablo, stayed on Game Pass all the way through. Didn't drop off mm-hmm. like me. Stayed on all the way through because you wanted to see that promise fulfilled about having great day one uh, AAA first party releases. 
you finally get that, but now you got to pay $2 more now because, well, Starfield's yeah. kind of cool. And it's happening in August, which is, you know, a month before Starfield. It's happening Starfield. in July. July? Oh, great. Yeah. So now they're July milking 6th. even, even, now they're built, yeah, that makes more sense because they're tapping into the hype now. They want to keep that momentum yeah. rolling. Well, yeah, but you know what's coming down the pike, right? So don't, don't unsubscribe now. <laughs> That's what that feels like to me. I don't like it at all. I feel like they should have at least gotten through the end of this year. And said, you know what? Let's let's not touch this right now because let's let, we still we still have to make sure Starfield comes out and delivers, right? There'd be nothing more embarrassing for Xbox if you raise the price of Game Pass, Starfield comes out, and by some stretch of the imagination, it, it is a failure in some in some degree. And now in you look yeah. doubly stupid, right? Eh, I I don't I like think, it. I don't like it. I just think I, I don't know if I have a specific. Like, like you said, I don't have a problem because I, in terms of the logistics of it, I get it. What I, what I don't get is the messaging is a little bit off kilter. Phil gets on that podcast in the X cast and says, don't take my word for it. You have to get your hands on the controller to really, you know, for our promises to come into fruition. So at that point, you're telling me, don't take your word for it. We do have games coming. Don't take your word for it. You have to play the games yourself, but you're increasing now the price. So now the barrier to that, for me to get my hands on a, on the controls, like Phil said I should, now <laughs> I have to pay more. So it just feels a little bit like off-kilter in that I would have wanted Starfield to come out and have been a banger and then maybe another first-party game to come out. And you're proving yourself now. So when you go up to, to that sixteen ninety nine, yeah. now you're making yourself inevitable like you have to have this because i just played uh starfield and it's incredible i just played santa's sacrifice too and it's amazing i play forza it's, i have to keep these games i have to keep them on rotation i have to have them on there like that's what that's how this makes sense but now it's like hey we have a promise to you don't take my word for it play the games but also if you want to play the games you gotta pay two more dollars <laughs> it's like whoa that's kind of fucked up so take your word for it then it's what you're really saying you now pay the two dollars take my word for it now it, it just that messaging kind of you shot yourself in the foot a little bit by saying that trying to sound honest and he probably was honest but then the the business aspect takes over and it's like man you told me I got to get my hands on these gains to believe you, but now you're making me pay more money to do that. So that's a little fucked. Now you're also doing this too, right? You're changing the benefits of Game Pass Ultimate as well through Starfield. Here's here's what I mean. You remember, I think it might have been Gears 5. Yeah. If you subscribe to Game Pass Ultimate, you get the game a couple days early. Yeah. That's become the deluxe edition for Starfield. Which Forza also did. You had so, to pay 30 bucks to play Same Forza thing. Early. Exactly. Yeah. So now they're plucking that that used to be a perk of being on Ultimate and now they're putting that behind another paywall. Yeah. What man. are we doing? And while the base price of Game Pass is going upwards, that's crazy yeah. to me. It's so crazy that I pre-ordered the deluxe edition to start. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's the thing though. I ain't got no that's spine. A, but that's the thing though. Like it, it's 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 not your fault because you want to play your Bethesda Why fan. would I you not? want to play the Bethesda game. So you're going to do that. because right. But it just feels fucked a little bit. You know, not not because the not because the strategy is fucked, but it is a little bit. But because they really haven't proven themselves to able to be, to, for them to be able to be deliver first party games in a way that they're amazing. I mean, when you think about Gears 5 was great. Crackdown 3. Uh, like, what are we talking about? Like, you know, you already talked, you mentioned some games there where it's been some pentiment is good, but is it 
does it worth the price of entry? Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's not exactly. So Halo was not very good. I mean, it, it, it turned out to not be great. So there's a lot of question marks left uh, in terms of what they're going to do. Uh, and the only way we, we're going to see the answer to that is by paying $2 more per month. So uh, love it. that's I us. love it here. I love it yeah. here. But, 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 but I will say, if you're going to do this, this is the best time it's to do strategically it. In the middle of the FTC price hearings, increase and on the high of showcase. Price increase before the holidays. Starfield comes out. It's going to be the talk of the town. Yeah. You're going to make more money per year. Yeah. Yeah. I'm green lighting this too it. if I'm Philip. Yeah. If you want to get your business hat on, I get it. But as a consumer, it sucks. I see right through it. Yeah. Yep. I see right through Cold piece of work, Phil. <laughs> Cold piece of work. All right, well, let's move on to the Nintendo Direct. Uh, Pablo, we're not going to spend a lot of time on a lot of the games we're going to outline here. We're just going to kind of go through highlights. Uh, Quite an interesting little Direct this was. I don't know what to feel about it, but we'll get to grades at the end of this. But let's talk about some of the the high-level, noteworthy things they showed. Uh, They kicked off the show, Pablo, with uh, not a new game, not a a big reveal, not a surprise. Pokemon Scarlet and Violet uh, expansion content, the hidden treasure of Area Zero. Teal Mask Part 1 and the Indigo Disc Part 2. <laughs> Let's go! Been waiting for those my whole life. Where are we going with that? I don't want to go nowhere with that. Um, that was a bad omen for this uh, direct, in my opinion. And, uh, you know, I... Y- I didn't. I didn't like Scarlet and Violet. The performance issues that they still haven't addressed yet. Well, we'll make more content. We'll make expansion content. We won't fix how this game runs, though. When you've got, meanwhile, you've got Tears of the Kingdom out here embarrassing everybody oh out God. here in the business of making open world games. You can't get Pokemon to. Oh, I digress. Pablo, any <laughs> anything you want to say about this before we move on? Hell no. Okay, that's good. Super Mario RPG remake, however. Uh, was revealed coming this November on, on November 17th, Pablo. Uh, anything you want to get off your chest about this announcement? Interesting one, huh? Yeah, I mean, it was rumored. Um, it, it turned out to be this was the game that was coming out and not um, Chrono and not, Trigger, uh, Chrono Trigger, or, yeah. or anything else like that. I mean, look, I, I, I'm 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 not gonna sit here and pretend to tell you that I'm a huge Mario RPG fan. I, I think that the game when it came out was good. I liked it quite a bit. I thought it was awesome. I think the remake is cool. Um, I like that. Uh, I think the art style looks pretty cool. Uh, I saw some people reacting to this game, the reveal of this game, and I thought they're crazy but hey listen to each their own I, I i do think that this game definitely could benefit from a remake and i i like that it's coming out soon um i i just I, my only thing is i'm a little bit I, I'm, I'm wondering how, how much of a remake that it is because there's a lot of stuff uh, in gameplay wise that probably is not going to age well i wonder if it's just not not just a graphical overhaul but some overhaul of like quality of life stuff that i i think that the game should and needs to, to to kind of address so the the uh i am gonna you know optimistically away for this uh kind of see what what exactly it turns out to be but i mean it's a solid announcement man for sure i think this has been overrated um personally i mean i'm not knocking anybody who's looking forward to it i'm really not i mm. i played the original um back in my emulation days mm. um it's fine, you know, like it's fine. Um, but, you know, I think a prevailing theme of this direct for me was like scraping the bottom of the barrel to me. This is what it felt yeah. like overall. And I'll get more into that when I get to the grade section. But this was probably the least offensive version of that, I think, that we saw because it is like a deep cut kind of a game that you're like, damn, that's kind of interesting that they're doing that. So I'll give them that credit for, for dusting this one off. 
when they could have done a lot of other things. But um, I just, I'm not over the moon like that. I think some people are kind of capping, as the kids say. Uh, <laughs> yeah, just, uh, I think people are more hyped about, you know, what they think this game is than in pretending that they played it yeah. or something. It's it's like a weird reaction out there right now. It's, it's I, I just, I, I just really, I think, I think my hype levels will either adjust or grow depending on what this actually is. Coming out in terms of like the, the how much of a remake it is, coming out fairly soon and the fact that I really didn't talk about it leads me to believe that it's more or less just a graphical overhaul and that's not going to be something I'm going to be interested in playing. Yeah. Well, yeah. what about a Princess Peach game, Pablo? Uh, yeah. Untitled game, teased, 2024. That's all we know. Saw a little bit of some yeah. raw gameplay footage. Um, my daughter might like this. I don't know. But I mean, I don't. Yeah, what the I mean, hell is this game, though? I mean, I'm interested to see what it is. The last Princess Peach game we got was Super Princess Peach for, for the Nintendo DS. And the thing that game was crazy <laughs> is her powers came from her emotions. Yay! <laughs> we have a female character oh, no. in the Nintendo world, and her powers are her emotions. Good job, Nintendo. Hopefully, they, 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 they look to rectify I got so that. many jokes. I would just ruin yeah, my uh, reputation. Hopefully they rectify that uh i'm interested to see this Any, anything that nintendo does with the mario franchise could potentially be amazing uh a princess peach game could be dope i mean look the luigi spinoffs with, with, with luigi's mansion all those games are awesome so i can definitely uh look at this and be like all right this could be good yeah, probably gonna have like a i just feel like mode i just <laughs> feel like when you do you're attacking the me called- <laughs> The sequel is called Princess Peach versus uh, Toxic Masculinity. Yeah, no, it's. I just think it's funny that <laughs> and it's three three dots. Not as funny. <laughs> uh, no, but I, that that was fucked up. But they they have a female led protagonist in a Mario game, and her powers is her emotions. Oh no! Fuck out of here, Nintendo. Hopefully they do something better with this. Hopefully she's stable. Uh, Luigi's Come Mansion. On. Speaking of that, Luigi's Mansion Dark Moon enhanced version is in development. Uh, was this a 3DS game, Pablo? Or uh, Dark Moon? I feel like yes. it was a 3DS. Yes, game. yes. I, I, cause I, 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 I didn't play this one. Okay. Um, Luigi's Mansion. Let me look it up. It's either the first one. Which I, I don't think, think it's Dark so, Moon. Or, no, I mean, um, I don't think it's the first one. I think it's a. I think it's. I feel like it's a 3DS game. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's 3DS. It's okay. 3DS. Yeah. Uh, that's cool. Yeah. Cool. Uh, <laughs> we did all that research and just went. That's cool. Um, no, no, because I mean, I, I I didn't play 3ds one, so I'm I'm glad this is coming out. Yeah. Um. Again, I'm interested to see enhanced. I mean, that's that's that 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 word means a lot of nothing. Uh. Yep. So I just want to know exactly what they're enhancing because I think visually the game needs some work. Other than that, I don't think it needs that much work. So I think they say it's in development for 2024. Enhanced is short for not as ugly. Um, <laughs> Pikmin Four, Pablo. Pick sound it out, okay? Pick okay, uh, men four. Try it with Pinto me. beans four. Jesus, Pablo. Okay, listen, listeners. If you're new to the show, every time we have had the displeasure of talking about this game, Pablo cannot pronounce this game correctly to save his life. It, it, it went from being just naturally he can't do it. Now it's become yeah. a running joke. It's become the new Pokemon Arceus for us. <laughs> yeah. So. I'm sorry in advance for how he's going to butcher this, but I'm going to butcher the way the game looked. I thought this looked so mediocre to me, man. I'm sorry. It's just, it's still just the same old same with a new Pikmin type and some co-op stuff, which is fine, but it's, eh. Yeah. That's all I got. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I, this is not, I think, uh, to borrow your term, at least offensive. 
of a game review. Like it, it, it's not gonna, it's not a game that I'm gonna play. It's not a game that I'm gonna buy. I didn't think it looked absolutely terrible. It looks like a game that was announced seven years ago because it was. Uh, I mean, and you can play in dark in the nighttime apparently, which has never been done before, revolutionizing <laughs> the industry once again. Penal men. Wait a minute. No. No, Pedan- no. Pedantic, pedantic man. Pe- one. Did you say penal man? Yeah, penal code one, oh, two, the coming code. out on Switch. Uh, and pedantic man right. four no, coming no, out we're in done. July. We're can't, done. We're done. Wait. Let's talk. Peter about- man, let's do it. No, we're not doing. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. Or Pikmin one and two HD. That's now coming uh, or already available, I guess, on Switch. No, it's not yeah. happening. Congrats, Metal Gear. Master Collection, Volume One. <laughs> that was terrible. I'm mad raspy today. Uh, trailer was shown for that. It was the first time we actually saw what what the what the collection is comprised of, Pablo, which uh, yeah. has a lot of stuff in there. I yeah. Quietly, um, the uh, the animated uh, visual novel thing that they have the, of of yeah. the first game and the second game, y'all got to check those out. I yeah, bought yeah, those on that's... PSP. When it, when they first dropped, they are really really well done. Um, yeah. Probably my most excited thing that, that I'm most hyped for from this collection, actually, which is strange that it's not even one of the games. But I'm really excited for this one. I don't know if I'm going to buy it right away though, because I yeah. already replayed one through three recently on my PS2. Um, so I don't need this in my veins right now. But I'm pretty excited about what they did to put this all together, and, and you know the way they've kind of yeah. respected the lore, and they have a lot of you know interesting stuff with like you know. Um, I forget what it is. It's almost like a glossary or something weird like that, where they have like character yeah, breakdowns yeah. and blah blah blah. Really cool stuff. Uh, so I'm actually pretty impressed with their offering here. What about you? Yeah, me too. I think this is one of the games that I'm going to try to get. Um, I'm trying to get. Uh, is there a physical version of it? Uh, I think because so. I think uh, I, I think I there's think a so, physical I, version, but the Switch version is it's an empty cartridge. It's just a download. Oh yeah, but I think I want to get. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't, I don't think I want to do that. But I think I want to get a physical version of it just to have a, as a collector's. Pablo um, wants to get physical. <laughs> I want to play the first game. I haven't played that in in years, uh, but I definitely want to play that. And I want to kind of dabble on the in the in the, uh, the you know Snake's Revenge and, and those older mm. um, NES uh, SNES games. So I, I definitely want to do that. But I want to get like the physical version to kind of like have that as a collector's and and and, mm. and kind of prop that up somewhere because you know I love Metal Gear and and, and uh, that Master Collection Volume One. Hopefully that we get that Volume Two and we and we finally get. Uh, Four, four is rumored to be in that package. Yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, and the only reason I wanted again is to have it, to own it, to collect it. I don't really have any interest in playing four because four is abysmal. I'm gonna play it again. I want, I want to oh, play it yeah. again. I, I haven't played it literally since the PlayStation it Three era. Out. So I am, oh my gosh. very curious what Marco all these years later is gonna feel. Um, imagine us playing it and we're like oh my god we made a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that'll happen, but man. Uh, our friend of the show, Justin, would be so vindicated. I told y'all. Um, so, I mean, I, I, if I'm not mistaken, um, Will, a friend of the show, yeah. uh, what does he think about MGS4? He loves it, know. right? I don't remember. Um, oh. I think, I, yeah, I think he felt the same as we do about like the kind of like the butchering of the story kind of thing. Um, I have to, I have yeah. to check up, up with the mind, but he's really hyped yeah, about this not, collection. though. he's really hyped. Uh, yeah, more yeah. so for like the old, and, more so for the yeah. old old school stuff. Yeah, but you know, our friends of the show are pretty interested. Uh, hopefully, you all are too. Um, yeah. 
Real quick, Vampire Survivor coming to Switch on uh, awesome. 1017. Um, yeah, I mean, cool. I don't have much to say there. It's just nice to see that this game is getting more chances to thrive because it was a huge cult phenomenon. Almost. I shouldn't even say cult anymore. It was a phenomenon last year. Yeah. Um, glad to see it's getting more love. That's all I got to say. Yeah, I mean, I don't play games on handheld, but if I did, I think Vampire Survivor would be... the. It's actually the only game I uh, tried to play on the cloud. Uh, just because it has like that, you know, yeah. the quick the gameplay loop. Uh, so maybe, maybe it be it really work on Switch at handheld. Handheld maybe something that I that I have just to to kind of fuck around with here and there. Yeah. What about Penny's Big Breakaway, um, a new 3D platformer from the team behind Sonic Mania? Any thoughts? Yeah, I I added I added this because I, I rewatched that trailer. This looks fucking dope. Um, I you know it's a lot of those things where. There's so much garbage. I'm sorry. I'm kind of tipping my hat here in terms of how I feel about the, the, the this entire thing. There's so much garbage shown that when they show this, I was like, more garbage. And I went, but I went back and saw it. I'm like, actually, this is really, really good. Uh, like it's it, this is definitely one of the hidden gems of, of the of the direct here. Uh, it was just sandwiched between some bullshit. So <laughs> oh, a lot of that, a lot of that. Yeah. Uh, but we saw Mario Kart 8 Deluxe Wave Five uh, shown coming this summer. Um, nothing new to say about it. Still looks like it's going to be a fun time. Another great reason, great reason to keep the game installed. Absolutely. That's all I got. Do you like to move it? Move it, Pablo? Oh my God. <laughs> Cause WarioWare wants you to move it oh with his uh, debut trailer coming 11, three. Yeah, I, I added this here as well because I it's, it's a big, a lot of people are a big fan of this game. And I want to say to those people who I, why you like this game? <laughs> So stupid. Oh, man. Well, let's talk about the big main event, Pablo. Super Mario Brothers Wonder was revealed Oof. coming in October. I don't know my months anymore. Is that October? 10? 11? Yeah. Man, I'm old. I'm so old. Jesus. I'm looking at numbers like that might be September or October in my brain. I don't know. I'll I go with that. Me too, man. I'll go with October. Um, That's why the last couple of my like, comes out 11 3. I don't know. <laughs> Um, I'm tired. Yeah, that's, that don't sound tired. That sounds stupid. Anyway, all right. I'm just let, <laughs> let let me let me be toxic, man, for a second. Let me just. Oh no! I'm sorry, Pablo. I'm not. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it with y'all. This looked. I. I'm sorry. Nah. They, oh, when you touch I mean, the, I, the wacky flower, I, everything starts to get wacky. Like. I'm sorry. Like the platforming looked good. I'm not gonna say it looked yeah, terrible. Yeah, it's Mario. Yeah, the platforming, yeah, the Mario platform looked good. It's just that I'm not really excited about Mario Silly Time. I'm not really into that. That looked kind of goofy to me. I like the art style. I like the mm. changes there. Mm. I like the platforming. Yeah, but this Wonder stuff. I'm sorry, man. I, it ain't it. I'm all about. I'm all about it. I think that it kind of adds a really cool twist to the to the 2D Mario thing. I also love the animations. Like when he's running really fast, he's like holding his hat. Like when he's going through the things. Oh, I like all that. The little things. I like all that. The little things he does is really cool, which is something we never really see with the 2D Mario game. So it definitely looks like the next iteration of the 2D Mario game. Uh, the Wonder stuff, I. <laughs> wonder how much of that is in the game throughout uh in terms of like how <laughs> how much has it changed because i'm interested to see one thing that i would kind of be disappointed is is that you touching that wonder flower isn't really like that sounds like rape man <laughs> 
if you touch that, it doesn't feel. It just, man, shut up, man. It and doesn't feel it like Jesus uh, juice too. Ooh, Chris. <laughs> uh, no, but um, I, I if the wonder thing is like every level that has it, you have to do that. Then it's gonna be less interesting because the thing that I'm looking at is like almost like a power up. Where if you get that power up, you can progress to the level a little differently. Like if you have the option to touch the wonder flower and you don't do it, and it's just a regular like level, like is that a possibility or is that just a checkpoint in the game that changes that level no matter what? Because at that point, it would feel less interesting because it would make those levels less dynamic. They just are designed that way rather than being designed two ways. Uh, so I am interested to see how that works specifically. However, everything they showed was absolutely lovely. I can't wait to, to get high on mushrooms with, 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 with Mario and friends. Get really long like a Ew. long boy. Jump on top of them other long boys. Yeah, baby. Oh, why did you grunt that out too? That's nasty. Because I love... I, I mean, I felt wrong doing it, but I, I, I stand behind it. Uh, I, I think it's amazing. I, I loved everything about it. Um, yeah, sure, it doesn't have the same kind of like wow factor as a 3D uh, Mario game, I, you know. And that's, I think that's that's just how these games are. I think that the 2D is, is a lesser version. I'm always gonna feel that way. I think 3D is superior to 2D uh, in terms of even now with Odyssey and all that. But I love everything I saw about Wonder, and it immediately became one of my most anticipated games, uh, probably after Starfield and uh, Spider-Man. It's like 1, 2, and 3 right there. Uh, those are like my Ooh. 1, 2, and 3. Oh, I just thought of something, Pablo, just now, real time. Ooh. We gotta give an open, uh, we gotta give an open credit prediction for this thing. Oh, shit. We gotta okay. get one. All right, I'm ready. What are you thinking? Where are you at? 90. 90. All that talking, you said 90? You well, were just thing. I think, you were describing I, I think a 90. What's happen? Well, I think a lot of I th- a lot of people share your sentiment with uh just kind of like uh I don't know if I like the whimsy. Uh and I also am in the camp where if the the dynamic change of the level is just the level design rather than an option, I would kind of rank it a little lower because again, for example, you're running through a level, you get a star, and you can run through that level, kill everything in its path, and it becomes less challenging. That's one way of beating that level. Or you're going down the tunnel, you go under the tunnel, you're in the underground part, you come out the other side, and you miss a whole part of the level. That's that's kind of, uh, and that's how par for the course in 2D Mario. If in 2D Mario you touch the, the the flower and it becomes a whole different level and it's a whole different thing, and you beat it that way, and the, or you don't do it and it becomes it's a whole different level, that's awesome. If it doesn't have that 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 dynamic change in that way, then it becomes less impressive to me. Because there was a a thing where there was a, a herd of like look like sheep that knocked down the f- flag that you're supposed to finish the level with, kind of changing the endpoint of the level. If that's the endpoint of the level, it, in fact, it really is. But because you did that change up and it becomes a different level, that's amazing. But if it's not, if it's just the design of the level, then it becomes less impressive overall. So you, so you are saying ninety-eight. I got you in yeah. there for ninety-eight. Ninety. <laughs> I, I say, I say ninety. I think that's right. a, I think it's a little low for me, but I, I honestly well, think that that's why I'm, I'm leaning to this. Well, ninety-three. I'm leaning to the, the 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 wonder stuff not being as wonderful. What do you think? I got ninety-three on this. I'm gonna go ninety-three. Okay. I think people are gonna. Okay. Oh my god! It's so wonderful. What is Super Mario 3D? I mean, new Super Mario Bros. has on Metacritic. I don't think it's on. I don't know. New Super Mario Bros. Wii U. 
Let's see what that has on Metacritic. Uh, Metacritic has that game currently at a... Hmm, doesn't have it here. <laughs> anyway, the only reason I ask is because I hate that game. I think that game is terrible. And Which I want to know... New Super Mario Brothers? Yeah, New Super Mario uh, Wii U. Oh, the Wii U um, version? You mean the, the deluxe yeah. one? Yeah, it's the... Yeah, no, 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 not the deluxe one. It's oh, the New Super Mario know. Bros. U. No the idea. Wii, the U, the deluxe one came out on Switch. That one has a 84 on Met, on the Meta, uh, Metacritic. So, mm. you know, I guess I would lower that, even that. So, yeah. I think I, I'm comfortable with 90. Stay in there. All right. All right. All right. Well, uh, Pablo, it is time to give our grades for Nintendo Directs uh, of, of June. Um, ugh. This was booty hole, man. This was... This was probably God. Was it worse than the PlayStation Showcase? No, I no, know. I don't think it was worse. It was, but it was fighting. It's yeah, it was close. Yeah, this was bad. This was a D plus for me. Um, yeah, I think this is as I alluded to earlier, the scraping the bottom of the bin type of showcase for me. Like, yeah. here, let's bring Luigi's Mansion Dark Moon back. Let's give you Pikmin 1 and 2 HD. Uh, let's bring back Super Mario. Like, it's like they're digging back in. Like, what? anything else we can give them before we change to the new hardware? Oh, uh, there's something. You know, that's how it felt to me overall. Um, you know, with the exception of um, Wonder, which felt like probably the real swan song of the hardware. Although, sure. it's starting to look like... I mean, some of these games are slated for 2024. So, but I what feel is the plan, but, bro. But there was no, there was no like, there was like no switch marketing. So I wonder if like, because it would make sense if the the Peach game is a next gen game, and and even Dark Moon comes out as a next gen, like it's just something to release early next year or something like that. Uh, but yeah, I I also give this a D a D plus. Um, and, and that D plus is literally just based off. Uh, Mario Wonder and, and RPG and and because look, we got Arkham Trilogy, another enhanced <laughs> version of Arkham Trilogy. We got a litany of games that we seen on all over the Summer Game Fest, like like Sonic Superstars and P and Persona Five Tactica. Like we've already seen these things. Yeah. Like uh, Splatoon Splatfest showed with like zero fanfare and and like it was they didn't even talk about the the other stuff that that's coming out the the more the interesting DLC, yeah. Yeah. DLC stuff. So it's like. It just, it just didn't. Not only did it was it scraping the bottom of the barrel. They had some things that they could have definitely talked about. They just decided not to. So it just, it's a weird, weird uh, direct, specifically because it's coming on the heels of Summer Game Fest, and this is usually the time that you release that the big hitters uh, in terms of, of of your showcases and your directs. And they didn't do it here, man. I mean, they just did not do it. Now I understand this is probably the last time we're gonna get a a direct that doesn't, at the very least. Um, probably mention or hint at a new console uh so this was always going to be the case i guess but doesn't mean that i'm going to judge it on a curve so i I definitely agree with you on your d plus assessment last thing pablo please for the life of me stop Mm. predicting that we're gonna get wind waker hd and twilight princess hd I had to fight. I, mean, I have to fight with him every time because he'll always try to r- r- hit me with the. Well, you know, in the past they've done this with Mario, and well, you know, they've been known well, to do. Dog, they're not. It exists. Those things exist. So they're eventually going to come out. Probably not for like another year or two, another anniversary. 
which is fucking bananas. You're not going to put but, out of the same year as Tears of the Kingdom, though, bro. I try to tell you that. You're like, well. I know, but they, they I mean, they, 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 Nintendo's weird, bro. They don't do any conventional shit. I but don't know. I, that was the fan it, in it, you it right makes there. Sense. That was the fan in you. I, yeah. I didn't want to say it at the time because you'd be like, well. I mean, I mean, it just exists. This shit exists. Like, put them out. They just would have been ten times uh, the better uh, of uh, you know presentation. <laughs> You're describing if you take every out direct ever. Fucking if Mario, they would just put if you it take out. out a no, but if you take out like uh, Arkham Trilogy and had the Zelda thing come up, would have been. I would have taken a, a Warriors game. Uh, <laughs> I would have taken over one of this. Them. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move on. Let's get into uh, the main event of Cooldown Time that we call Checkpoint Chat. <laughs> It's time for the Checkpoint Chat. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are officially at the halfway point of 2023. And needless to say, we've had a lot of highs, a lot of lows, and of course, a couple of standout games that have made the year a pretty interesting one, to say the least. So, um, in the interest of telling you guys what we think have been the top games of 2023, we decided to do a little mid-year check-in to do just that. Now... Two caveats to get out of the way. Number one, ladies and gentlemen, every game we are about to mention on this segment um, is not exactly a guaranteed lock for our future game of the year conversations, okay? The things, things change drastically, as everybody knows, and some games come out, overshadow others, and so um, how we speak of these games now may not necessarily be how we look at them uh, six months from now. Secondly... Yep, yep. Our opinions are going to be different than yours, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to say some. We're going to. We're going to, Some games might not be mentioned here that are maybe one of your favorites. Um, so just be prepared and don't get butt hurt just because your favorite game might not have been featured in this little section here. So here's what we are going to do, though. Okay. Um, me and Pablo are going to start by sharing uh, a handful of games in no particular order that we think represent the best of what gaming had to offer in 2023 and explaining why. And then at the end, we are both going to reveal our mid-year game of the year so far. Okay? So, Pablo, I want to kick it over to you first. Uh, you and me both have um, you know, one unique game each on our list, and the rest of them we all share, which is convenient for podcast purposes. But why don't we go ahead and get the outliers out of the way first, Pablo? So go ahead and talk to us about what one of your favorite games of 2023 was that is not on my list. Yeah, it's a game that I just talked about last year, a game that I, I'm last, sorry, last episode, a game that I just came back to, and that's Star Wars Jedi Survivor, uh, finishing that game uh, uh, in the last couple of weeks, really kind of changed my opinion about the game, I thought the game was fine, uh, I thought it was a, an improvement on Fallen Order, but not by much, uh, but the latter portion of that game, the second act to the, to, to the third act, right to that finish, is absolutely stunning, an amazing action uh, game with with a compelling story and compelling characters, and it's not because of Star Wars. It's because of the writing and everything that Respawn has done there. Uh, absolutely killed this game. I think it was it was amazing. I I I I still thinking about it. In fact, I'm still playing it. I'm, I'm doing the bounties. Um, it's 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 just a game that really uh, took. A, it's a slow burn for me, uh, but once it got me to that point it's 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 been hard to let go it's actually a game that i felt a little bit like i feel when i 
play a great game and then have nothing to play after. Like I'm like, oh man, I just I feel lost until Final Fantasy came out. But right before that release, I felt like, oh, there's nothing to play. It it it, it really uh, it really affected me in that way. So I know that's for me a uh, mark of a good game. So yeah, Star Wars Jedi Survivor. Very nice, very nice. Um, mm-hmm. The game that I have on my list that is not on yours is Dead Space. Um, I thought this remake was incredible. Um, I'm not a big Dead Space fan. I think this game changed me on that pretty significantly. I'm um, much more interested in this series now uh, post-remake than I was pre-remake. And that's because of just how well this game was put together. Uh, It is very much a one-for-one remake with uh, various quality of life improvements to make some of the more janky 360 PS3 era stuff kind of obsolete, which I think is very good. Um, You know, so, and also for me being a newcomer to Dead Space and as someone who didn't really stick around with the first game at all, uh, this was a revelation for me uh, because it finally felt like the Dead Space I was hoping it would be back then. So I finally got the sci-fi horror game of of my hopes uh, sort of fulfilled through this remake. And so I I had to definitely shout it out here as being one of my standouts uh, for the year. Yeah, through no fault of his own, this this that remake was so perfect that I almost felt like I've already been here, done that kind of thing. Uh, and so that's why it's not on my list. So I, I agree with everything you said in terms of the quality of the game itself. Gotcha. All right. Now, the rest of the games that we have in our shared little list of faves here before we get to our mid-year game of the year we have in common. And uh, the next one on that list, Pablo, is actually final fantasy 16 i mean i don't know about you i'm kind of penciling that in now uh even though i haven't obviously finished it yet i can already see that this has all the trappings for me that represent uh, a top game of the year uh much for the same reasons as we mentioned at the start of the show i still uh, maintain that the combat is great i'm really interested in the way the story is being put together and the world lore building i think is really top tier I like all of the streamlined stuff. I like the fact that they've uh, trimmed some of the fat out and and they've made this a more refined game um, that respects the time of someone like me who doesn't have the time to grind and do all the old school things of of yesteryear like I used to. Um, I think this is a really well put together game that shows a lot of polish, shows a lot of flair and shows a lot of growth. Uh, for Final Mm -hmm. Fantasy. And that's why I think it is uh, worthy of being on my list of faves for this year. What about you? Yeah, same. I love the game. I think the combat is absolutely spectacular. It's a standout. I think that the story uh, is, is for all intents and purposes, is very interesting. I love the Game of Thrones kind of vibe to it, for sure. I, I Every time they say Lord Commander, I'm like, yeah, Game of Thrones, even though that's like not even specific to Game of not Thrones. But I, I like everything that do, it does. The things that it does well, it does better than most games that are even on this list to begin with. And look, we're talking about our favorite games of 2023, the first half. This is one of my favorite games so far. And if it turns out not to be then it just won't be on my final list of the year so before anybody get their panties in a bunch and like hey you didn't even finish that game that's how they all talk Uh, um you don't have to worry about it it's how i feel about the game right now and honestly it feels like it's going to be one of the one of the greats of the year for sure the way you represent our listenership with those voices, I just, I don't know how they forgive you. Well, the, the ones that the ones that are vocal about it in terms of want to complain about it, they all sound like this. Oh, my God. <laughs> and they're all burdens, huge burdens on their family. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. Wow. Okay. Uh, well, let's move on to uh, the next favorite game of 2023 for you and me, which is Hogwarts Legacy. Pablo, this one took me by surprise. Oh, yeah, I man. did not believe. I didn't. I wasn't even planning on buying this. This was mm-hmm. one of those games where it was almost like Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy all over again, where people were like, "Bro, bro, Facts. get Facts. this game," and I'm like, oh, 
you know. Um, I think we said our piece about the controversy around J.K. Rowling around the time this game came out. I am not interested in continuing to always bring it up every time we talk about this game, even though I'm kind of unofficially doing that here. So I'm bypassing that to talk strictly about the game because there's a lot to love about this game. I think the open world is amazing. The, the, the term living, breathing world is so overused and oversaturated. Yeah. This is truly that, by the way, that they have brought Hogwarts uh, and, and the Wizarding World to life in so many ways through uh, animating all the inanimate, uh, inanimate objects and, and just um, making everything feel as whimsical as we remember it uh, through the movies and, the, and, and of course, the novels. Um, as someone who is more of a late uh, bloomer, I suppose, to this, uh, this, this universe, I found myself, you know, really, really wrapped up in this game pretty hardcore because um, I was soaking in all the things that I was just learning about this uh, whole Wizarding World thing and uh, in, in real time. So it was yeah. really a, a one-of-a-kind experience for me uh, to, to be able to have that kind of sinking of like, you know, the fiction and the game together you know, in, in unison. Together. So it was, yeah. it was, it was a, it was probably my favorite time of the year as, as far as gaming goes, uh, you yeah. know, just from that standpoint. But uh, where are you at with this game? Yeah. I mean, a lot like alien and aliens when a lot of those games in those that, that are based off, based off that IP are pretty bad. Uh, Hogwarts legacy was a, an incredible revelation for me. I mean, it, it, the world they built on the back of an existing IP and still made it, their own in their own way. It's just absolutely amazing. Yep. I mean, memorable characters, exceptional sense of place, like you said, an immaculate ambiance. I mean, walking into Hogwarts, if you're familiar, it felt like you're in Hogwarts. It's, it's one of those things that are cheesy to say, but the immersion there just really felt like, oh, this is the day, the day, this is the day to day of a Hogwarts student, and you actually got to live that. It may, its main story may not always work, but the surrounding stories and characters around that were so incredible that didn't really matter to me because i mean the 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 main story wasn't a disaster not by any stretch of the imagination but everything else leading up to that uh just made really memorable and fantastic moments uh it's corny to say but it really does capture the magic in a way that i just wasn't expecting not at all and i think that they fucking just killed this thing uh and i am uh, patiently waiting for them to do more because i think that the love that they have for the ip is evident and they really did a bang-up job here. Yeah, so many awesome moments from that game, too. The story was a little weak at some points, but I thought the gameplay and the exploration and the open-world traversal with the brooms and all that, man, that game delivered that, dude. Um, Hi-Fi Rush is the next game on our list. Um, Man, I... I didn't know what to make of this game, bro. When this was shadow dropped, mm-hmm. it was like there was no time to react, prepare, nothing. You're going from Tango Gameworks making Ghostwire Tokyo and The Evil Within to this thing? And it was yeah, really jarring. Um, and at first, I'll be fully honest, I wasn't sold. I'm like, yeah, right. this is fine. And then you play more of it, and it's like, oh, this is kind of... This is kind of dope. Oh, that was dope. Oh, that mini boss was really cool. Oh, fuck. That yeah. boss fight was crazy. And then the it music. just built. Yeah, the music builds. It just builds and builds and builds. And finally, and then the funny moments kick in. Some of the funnier moments I've seen in, in, in this year's gaming crop. And I'm not a big yeah. funny gamer type yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. But this game was just in the art style. Dude, that is one of the best looking games I've seen in a long time. Period. Yeah. I mean, that's just dope art design 101 right there. So I, I yeah. really left. Hi-Fi Rush smiling and going, that was a damn good time. 
So it had to be on my list, and I know it's on yours too, but talked about it. Oh, for sure. I mean, this this game had an uphill battle because of what you said. It's like, it's shadow drops, so automatically it's like, so it's not AAA. It's coming from a studio that you didn't expect this to do this, and then the opening of that game is kind of like, what is this? So it, it, it just had that uphill battle of of you overcoming that and then not only it being oh it's pretty good it's being really good like you know xbox doesn't have a mascot uh, uh platformer beat-em-up type of game and this is as good as you can do that because you put your own spin on it with the musical rhythm part of it which which is essential but also not exactly like essential like you don't have to have the best musical acumen in order to actually succeed in this game but it does help you know it does help for sure and i love the 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 levels of that when it comes to the the combat you can either be really proficient at at at, you know at, at music in terms of how you understand it or or you can just be good at video games and beat them ups and understand the mechanics of the game itself you know chai and 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 all those characters cinnamon all they're they're just they're absolutely so well written and so well realized uh, that I thought it was great. And all those story moments that that happened because of how much you love those characters really worked for me as well. And like you said, the art style is crazy. I love this game. (laughs) High five. All right. Uh, The next game that we both share in common as a favorite uh, of the year is none other than Resident Evil 4 Remake. Uh, Pablo, you know me. Resident Evil McGee. Um, and so this one was circled on my calendar and, 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 and it was one that I was really, in, not, I, I don't know about that, my guy. I don't know about that. I get a little lightheaded. All right. <laughs> you ever seen me with a needle in the hospital? I, oh God, Jesus Christ. He gets the vapors. Woo! I always ask for an ice pack. I'm like, I am going to black out. They're like, oh, that's okay. No, I got to drive after this. <laughs> it's okay. My ass. Uh, Resident Evil 4 though, right? Um, that's a game. Uh, look, I, I think a fair argument has been made by many people that this is the best pure, pure remake ever made. I don't know if I can fully disagree with that yet, man. I mean, I have yeah. I have favorites. Don't get me wrong. And Resident Evil 2, ironically, is probably, in some ways, its greatest competitor as best remake ever made in, in any game yes. ever, which is crazy that Resident Evil has two contenders like that. But that that just goes to show you how good of a job they've done with their remake projects. And this is no exception. I think that they have taken what makes for so classic, iconic, one of the greatest games of all time, and they have figured out a way to enhance that, not step on the toes of, of the original um, you know, in a way that makes it feel unrecognizable. It, it has all of the modern trappings that you wanted, but not to the point where it disfigures what the game uh, was that made it great in the first place. It's just immaculate work on the part of Capcom by um, balancing all those different levers and dials in a way that, you know, made this remake so exceptional. Um, plenty of awesome moments, really enjoyable combat, um, improvements to the story and dialogue especially. And it looked great too. Uh, so yeah. there just wasn't a lot of issues with this game overall. Um, you know, whether or not it'll go over, you know, over RE2 in my brain, I go back and forth about that all the time. But yeah, it's a testament to how great RE4 truly is, though. So that's why it's on my favorites list. What about you? Yeah. Yeah. I was never a Resident Evil fan until RE2 Remake and RE2 Remake really made me a fan of the of the series in that fashion, in the way that game was made. And I think three was great. I know I got a lot of shit, but I thought it was 
I love that. But four, I think, is is it just kind of brought it to that next level. I still like two better, I think, in my head. But I think I could recognize that four is the overall better package in terms of like the entire uh, structure of the game itself. But I love four. I think four is is a, an incredible game. I it, it I'm glad that I was able to revisit it and the changes that they made really kind of made this game feel almost brand new to me. You know, obviously I knew the story beats, I knew some specific moments that would happen, but even when those moments did happen, they approached it in a way that was surprising and 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 so well done and i i love so much of this game i think it's one of the best looking games of the year yeah. i also think it's just one of the best looking games period capcom is just firing on all cylinders right now doing their thing they got their resident they're in the resident evil bag for sure uh i'm curious to see what's next in the remake of of portion of this all but resident evil 4 is an amazing amazing game i'm gonna find it's it and i'll be shocked if it doesn't make uh my top five i'll just say that right now because it is just an absolute <laughs> you got a lot of top banger. fives right now already bro i hope it can hang i got too. three i got three top fives i got three top fives that i feel like are mm. are locks but i can't i can't say that because you never know what happens That's but true. i got That's three true. i got three all right and by the way leon kennedy's one-liners in this game unbelievable oh classic it's just it, he's he is ridiculous, um, but I love that they kept that too. Like they they the silliness of four the campiness yeah like, yeah self aware yeah. yeah a little bit of that's still there which I think is very really good. You don't want to lose too much of that and then get too highbrow right. about it because then it just makes the game look like stupid you know. So I'm glad yeah. they they yeah, didn't yeah. lose that. Yeah, I, I do agree with that observation. Uh, but out of all those games we mentioned so far, none of them are actually our mid year game of the year. Uh, me and Pablo, once again on the same page, we're in rare form, actually, with these kinds of things, but uh, it is none other than The Legend of Zelda, Tears of the Kingdom. And I want to say, Pablo, I don't know about you, and I know you're, you know, you're, you're Zelda McGee. This wasn't a home run, like, lock guarantee. Oh, when this drops, it's just going to, I know it's going to be my game of the year. I never really felt like that. In fact, I wasn't sure it was even going to be in my top 10 because I didn't really, I liked Breath of the Wild a, a good amount. I finished it. It was a good time. But I had a lot of problems with that game. And I thought, man, if this is just more of that, but like a reshuffling of the deck and some sky stuff to do, then I don't know. And yeah. this game, you know, I, I had some rough patches with it, but it proved me wrong in glorious fashion um yeah with a better story a plot twist that i was actually like damn that was cool yeah um really good exploration um a fun sense of adventuring um not holding my hand all the time making mm -hmm. me figure some things out for myself um moments epic sequences um the stop and observe nature moments of awe that I've had plenty of times, which is crazy to say for a, an ugly Switch game, air quotes, right? <laughs> quote, quote, yeah, yeah. It was just phenomenal from top to bottom. Um, was it perfect? No. I, I'm not going to go that far. I think there were some problems with some of those dungeons. There were some problems with some of those things you were doing up in the sky and some of those things you were doing down in, in the depths. It was not always great all the time, but by and large... Um, this game is such an awesome representation of, of what gaming is and how far it's come that it, to me, even as somebody who is, you know, Zelda for me is what Resident Evil is for you. 
or Final Fantasy yeah. is for you is probably a better example. I've always admired it. I've always liked the games. I just never really found one that like really stuck to me. And this this is one that did it for me in that roll credits. Oh my God, I don't know if I can live without this game. I'm going to go back to an old save and keep playing more. Like I don't do that. Right. So that was, that was a pretty big sign for me that uh, this is different. This is different. Um, so that's why it, it reached, at least for now, it is, and I will say this too, it is beatable. Starfield's coming. Yeah. Final Fantasy 16 is here. It, it, listen, it might not last, but I, I still had to give it its flowers. It's got some daffodils with its name on it. What do you <laughs> talk about? It? Yeah, man. I look. This is just one of those games that uh, it, it, you're you're creating a sequel to uh, a Zelda game that people consider to be not only the best best Zelda game, but also one of the better games of all time. And so by doing that, and and, and seemingly sticking to a, a winning formula, but then changing that in, in in ways that you weren't expecting, is is ballsy. And I think that they pulled it off in ways that I wasn't even expecting. I mean, look, everything that this game does with its physics, obviously that's well documented, but it's just it's just the sheer amount of 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 love and and just like no, just masterful developing developing skills that the, the, the team had behind it. every nook and cranny of Hyrule, the depths, the, the Skylands. All there's just stuff to do in every in every portion of that world. Look, I, I've I've still not gone to the Lost Forest uh, in this game. I still haven't traversed through that. I still haven't gone to many uh, St- Skylands, and I've put like ninety plus hours into this game, almost hundred hours, honestly. And and it's just a game that keeps on giving, and a game that is is you know we talk about games that respect your time, but this game respects your time in that everything you do, every time you play this game, you discover something new. There's always something there to be discovered, and it, it's it's just one of these games, really that that. F- that can't be replicated. And I know that a lot of people's like, oh, this is like Breath of the Wild. And I'm sure there's going to be games like, this is like Tears of the Kingdom. But when it comes down to it in terms of what those games actually are, they're not easily replicated. And in fact, I'll go out and say, I don't think they will be replicated. They are unique onto themselves. And maybe the term using generational in terms of how it changes the industry, maybe that's not completely true. Because, I mean, a lot of the stuff that works for this game works for this game. It might not work for other games in the future. But everything about... Uh, a Tears of the Kingdom is absolutely outstanding. I, I love everything up about it. Even the things that don't work well, like the combat isn't as intuitive as you may expect from a game that has you doing a lot of action, uh, a lot of combat. But it still works fine. And then just the inventive ways that you can actually approach combat. And, and the fact that you don't have to engage in combat in, in this game at all if you don't want to. You know, in terms of how the XP system or the lack thereof is set up. I, I, I think that as a strength of the game. So there's just so much about this that works that I... It's hard for me to, to look at Tears of the Kingdom and think that any anything can beat it, but anything is beatable. I mean, Starfield is is operating on that kind of same level and so far from what we've seen, uh, and I feel like it, that's a contender. But right now, as it stands, Tears of the Kingdom is just a magnificent, a magnificent. <laughs> okay, experience. Mike Tyson has checked into uh, the chat. It, it, it's impregnable, and I'll eat your children's heart. <laughs> uh, no, but I, I, it's it's amazing. I love it. it it's going to be hard to beat, but I, I, I'm looking forward. This it, this is the year. If any year can can produce a game that can beat the sequel to Breath of the Wild. It's this year. You know, there's a lot of games out there left to to to, to come into light, and so I'm waiting for that. But yeah, 
Tears of the Kingdom is an, an exceptional game. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see where all these games land ultimately in our personal top 10 list and our cooldown time top 10 list. This is why all of you should subscribe to our show to make sure that you don't miss our end of year coverage, including game of the year deliberations when those finally happen. Uh, but in the meantime, that is where me and Pablo stand on the year so far. And uh, must say it's been very interesting with a lot of really weird stuff coming together and and you know you have two of the best remakes we've had in recent years a great final fantasy licensed games that don't suck through hogwarts and star wars jedi survivor a weird shadow dropped game from a survival horror developer that's a rhythmic action game that turned out awesome and of course zelda being our game of the year that's a pretty that's a pretty intriguing year if i say so myself so um, all bets are off so much left all bets are off when it comes to what else is left and how that impacts our list but ladies and gentlemen that is going to do it for this week's show. We hope you enjoyed that. We hope you enjoyed all of our segments. And we hope you enjoyed it enough to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at It's Cooldown Time and subscribe to our show so that you don't miss our future updates and episodes. Uh, in the meantime, on behalf of Pablo, I'm Marco. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next week. Peace out.